0: Hi, this is the Gospel of Kennison, number 40, the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. Check out more about me and what I do at nlcast.com. I was going to talk about something completely different, but um, somebody in the chat room today at the end of Nobody's Listening asked asked me if I'd ever talked about my upbringing as a kid in church, in the charismatic slash word of faith slash hyper faith movement, and how that affected me, and uh, what it was like coming up out of it. So, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I do have <laughs> a lot of thoughts on the matter, so I'll just start with what I know. I remember that I asked Jesus into my heart, uh, in the doorway of my mother's bedroom, on the floor, cross leg, while she read a prayer to me to repeat from a little book that she had probably gotten from the Baptist church down the street. My mother apparently got saved um, and, and, you know, uh, wanted to share that with me. And uh, I remember asking Jesus into my heart, saying the prayer, not not absolutely convinced at all that I understood what I was doing. Um, but we started going to church after that, and I if, even if I didn't at the time, I came to know you know going to Sunday school and Bible school and church and things like that. You, you get you get an education. I remember maybe eight years old the thought coming to my head that, Hey, you're not saved. Yeah. You didn't know what you were doing it for. You know, if you die, you're going to go to hell. (laughs) And that's just the way my self deprecating mind works. And so at the say, at that moment, I stopped right there and I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this because, uh, you know, everybody knows that a prayer is the magic key that unlocks salvation. Even though Quite honestly, the salvation prayer is never mentioned in the Bible. It just says, uh, Confess, you know, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that uh, God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. Uh, So it's more about, you know, believing in public proclamation than it is about, you know, a little prayer at the altar. But that's fine. I mean, that's what people do. That's great. Millions and millions of people have come to the Lord through a prayer to not knocking it. Just saying that I took the time right then and there. To say a little prayer. And um, so I I still claim to be, to have been saved since four, but you know how it is when you're, when you're saved at four, (laughs) maybe you don't. But those of us that were raised in church our whole life, we claim that we don't have a testimony. Testimony is all the, it's a story of all the bad things you used to do before you were a Christian. And we'll get downright jealous. Of other people, because we don't have a deep, dark story, but, um, I kind of do anyway. There were various divorces, remarriages and divorces again, and, you know, dads, stepdads that were supposed to be pastors and... (sighs) stuff going on behind the scenes and then blah, blah, blah. I'm not here to talk about my family business as much as I am to talk about the religion that I was brought up in and, and what it was like and, and how I feel about it now and how I operate my, my spirituality now. So we'll just jump into there. We, we went to a church called word of faith. It was a, uh, non-denominational, but but affiliated, I would imagine loosely with the Word of faith movement that was um, propagated primarily by Kenneth Hagan. at least that's how I understand it. I haven't looked up or verified any of this. It's just all from memory. But Kenneth Hagan was a huge deal. and his tapes, his sermons, um, things that he would say, Along with uh, the PTL crowd, um, which would be, uh, you know, the uh, Jim Baker. Also, Kenneth Copeland was a big part of uh, my childhood as far as his influence on my family. My... Mom really, 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 really believe in my heart, did her best and did absolutely what she believed to be the truth. I do not, however, believe that she knew what the truth really was and how much of it was that we were, you know, practicing was complete crap. And I don't believe she knew how damaging it would be and dangerous to our spirituality you know, the children uh, later on in life. So here's the here is the, here's the basics of what I learned about what we believed. I, obviously, we believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he came and died on the cross for our sins. Um, we also believed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was a comforter. But primarily at the time, I knew him as the thing that made people wiggle, uh, raise their hands, fall down, and... Um, And speak in in tongues. These things did not freak me out. They were normal. It's what I knew to be normal. And I learned, along with the rest of my family, that a good service uh, at this church was where a little bit of all of that happened. If it didn't happen, it meant the Spirit wasn't moving, whatever that means. But I say the Spirit moving, and it sounds alien. But at the time, the spirit moving meant just that, that things were happening, these outward signs. Uh, like I said, uh, shaking. Um, not not drastically. It wasn't, you know, like a big thing. But some people, you know, their little hands would shake, whatever. They would raise their hands. Um, there was a lot of prayer at the front, people putting their hands on people's foreheads and falling over. And I understood that uh, as something called being slain in the spirit and um, something that I experienced um, as a child. I went up and and got prayed for and um, I believe with all my heart that what I felt was the hand of the man praying for me pressuring on my head. And I would rock back on my heels a couple times, and then I just finally gave in. The next time, later in life, when I was prayed for, I was young. I mean, this was eight years old or seven, you know, at the time. I just went ahead and, and hit the ground. To the point, um, I went so quick that, that you know, laughter came up from the congregation. So at least somebody knew that it was bull. But there was a lot of pressure from my folks to raise our hands during worship, you know, singing songs to God. It was, um, you know, the that's called worship, and that's how I understood it. Now I know that worship is a heck of a lot more than just singing songs, and, and that that's probably the last thing that worship is um, on a list. It's on the list, but it's probably not the top thing. Uh, worship. Um, is is in my opinion, anything that you do um, that is, proves that you are submitted to God through your finances, through your time, through your talents, um, and yeah, through your through your words and attitudes and and even music, you know so so it's great. But growing up, I experienced church on Sunday as being a hyper, experience a spiritual experience a a a high pressure experience um and also pretty much the only yeah i will say the only experience um as far as seeing the whole quote unquote the holy spirit move or god move and change lives i only saw it in the walls of this church never never outside never once not in my own family Yes, we would pray prayers before dinner. Um, and, and yes, my mother had different things that she would do um, and quotes that she would make. And there were Christian stickers on our car. And uh, there were magnets on the fridge. Seven days without prayer makes one week. I, it was W-A-K, I, I never, never got that joke until I was grown. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think, I think she had our best interests in mind and everything I learned about God, I learned at this place. So it wasn't all negative. Um, you know, I remember a lot of good classes and a lot of good lessons. Um, but I also remember a lot of stuff that just doesn't ring true. What I remember about what we learned, obviously Jesus, I said that I said the Holy Spirit, but I experienced the Holy Spirit as something that made people do things, a lot of pressure, on me to lift my hands and to have some sort of experience. And so therefore I never could do it. I never wanted to do it because I knew that my mom would tap my stepdad on the shoulder and point to me and they both would look and smile and I would get so nervous, but I felt like that I was not a, I was not giving God what he wanted unless I did what other people did. And I believe that's what my folks believe too. I think that's why they really try to coach me and try to get me to do these things. Um, Later on in life, I was um, sat down with my mother and I was told about receiving the Holy Spirit. And I was told that there was um, an initial physical evidence, uh, that being the speaking in other tongues. I don't remember being shown any scriptures. Um, you know, second Corinthians, I think chapter 16 and, and, you know, just an explanation of what it is and, and all that. But I, I prayed with my mother and I received a prayer language. Okay. That's what I call it now. Um, but I never used it. Um, didn't really know what it was for. Um, I thought it was kind of cool because it was, I was, it was explained to me that it was a secret language between me and God that the devil couldn't understand. And I just thought that was great because the devil is a bad guy, right? Um, that's nowhere in the Bible, of course, (laughs) but that's, that gets me going on what we believe. We believed a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily in the Bible or it was theology based on one or two scriptures taken out of context. In the Word of Faith movement, there and it goes hand-in-hand hand with the prosperity gospel and, and pretty much every other lightweight, everything's awesome with God kind of theology. That your life's going to get better if you get saved. Um, if you give money, uh, it will be given back to you. If you want a, um, a Chevy S10, you just have to claim it. You need to be specific. You need to say it daily. You need to quote promises from the word of God. You need to write down what you want. There was all kinds of three step programs for getting, um, the magic thing that you wanted from, from the Santa Claus in the sky. And I completely and absolutely believed it. Why wouldn't I? I mean, every kid believes everything they're taught. You just accept it. It's given to you by people that love you and that you respect. And so I put it to the test one time at the time I wanted a cowboy hat. With a plaid band around, uh, you know, the hat band area. Or not plaid. I don't know what it was. Some, some. But anyway, they told me they told me to be specific with God. Tell him what I wanted, and that he would give it. And so I remember for sixteen weeks, I prayed every day, and I repeated my order. You know, like like at a <laughs> at a Wendy's. I was very specific because I could see it in my mind. That was the other thing I was told to do. I never got a cowboy hat. I'm kind of glad about it now. So no hard feelings, God. But I also got a big giant question mark wedged in my brain about, okay, that's crap. So is it all crap? And that is the danger, my friends, of adding things to the gospel that aren't the gospel that is the danger of not working out your fear your faith and fear and trembling that is the danger of not testing and approving what is true against the the gospel that is that is the danger of allowing somebody else to dictate to you what you know and believe about god that is the, the danger of using tape series and and book series and um you know popular culture you know within the church Worship songs, things like that. If that's your sole experience of learning about God and religion. Then, pretty good chance you're off about something. You got to get it firsthand. You don't have to be a scholar. Then you can find a, you know, a Bible that you can read. I would suggest the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, or the uh, CEV. Contemporary English version, both of them written at uh, about a third-grade reading level. I enjoy reading those more than others when I'm just casually reading for content. You know, just taking in content. NASB, if I'm studying, it's the most accurate English translation. Um, followed by the KJV, which is hard to read for me, so I don't do that one. But my religious experience was not firsthand. I did I did own a Bible. I never read it. Um, everything I, I I hated reading the Bible. I hated praying. I hated all those things, and I felt terrible about it. But they were required, right? You know, a lot of people still believe that. I probably should. I probably do. I guess. Um. But the thing was, if you if you just simply believed anything anything and you you picked a random verse out of the Bible that supported what you wanted um, then it could be done the problem is like I said it didn't work um, there was a whole complex structure of beliefs that were put into place to support these things and that's when the most dangerous stuff of all happens because if you claim something you know make place your order so to speak, and it doesn't happen, um, then the problem isn't God. It can't be God, right? God's perfect, so it has, and it can't be with our our idea of what you know we're telling you, because that would mean me, the pastor, me, the Kenneth Hagin, me, the Kenneth Copeland, me, the Jim Baker would be wrong. So it's got to be you. So there was a lot of of very hurt and confused people because they would pray, they would ask. It would be specific and it wasn't always hat bands and freaking hats. It was people that needed to be freed from cancer or addictions or praying for a lost loved one, someone that was destroying their life and they wanted, you know, this brother or sister or mom or dad, you know, or son or daughter back, you know, where they were supposed to be. People praying for things, believing this crap that was out there about how, A positive confession and and having a whole buttload of faith was just gonna fix it all. Of course, when it didn't work, the blame was put on the person. So let me tell you how that went down. First thing was said is you must have hidden sin. Well, no, no, back up. First thing was you don't have a positive confession. That was always the first thing. You you have doubt. Was the second one, uh, AKA, you don't have the right amount of faith um, and you have sin in your life um, and you need deliverance, would be the third. So it became very unpopular to share your struggles because if you'd prayed the prayer of faith and others had prayed with you and you'd made it known, you couldn't struggle, you couldn't have doubts, you couldn't ask questions. You couldn't come back to pray again because it was done. All you had to do was claim it. My sister is healed. My hat is on my head. My brother isn't on drugs. And you literally would say these things as if they were true. And my childhood concrete thinking mind accepted it, but at the same time completely and utterly rejected it. I practiced it. I did it. But it didn't make sense to me. Concrete thinking children are very literal. That's why you can tell a kid that the that the moon is made of cheese and they will believe you. They will if you say my mouth is on fire, they will look in your mouth to see if there's a flame. Because children believe things literally. And so when I was told that if you had a positive confession, if you removed all doubt from your heart and you believed you didn't have any hidden sin, you could ask for anything and it would be given to you. I believed it. But the part I didn't get is when I was supposed to say, I have that now. Usually it was material things. You know, we need a new car, James. Pray with me for a new car. Okay, well, let's pray for a new car. Lord, please give us a new car. Okay, we did that. Now we just have to claim it. We have to see it. It's already happened in the supernatural. It's already happened in the spirit. It just needs to come true in the natural. That's what I would be told. And so we have to speak it into existence. That was another phrase. Speak it into existence. Sounds like magic words and witchcraft to me now, but at the time, it was the way you did it. I can tell you right now, I cannot recall one thing in my childhood that was changed positively through naming and claiming as it was called the name it claim it movement the faith uh word of faith movement name it claim it came later when people started making fun of it i was very shocked when i found out people didn't believe that thought it was as important to god as jesus dying on the cross it was all part of one big thing right but uh so now let's talk about faith itself. Faith was taught to me, not as a verb, not as a belief in God and and who he is. Faith was a noun. Faith was a thing. Faith was something that I, as a child, would have, if they forced me, I would have said the word, it was like having a lot of wishes in your in your heart, like you would, you know, kids they wish really, really, really hard for mom, you know, maybe mama let us get ice cream at the end of dinner, you know, and they'll, they'll wish it, they'll wish it, they'll hope it, and they'll kind of get all wrapped up in that and thinking about it. And if somebody talked to them, you'd say, what, what? And they would say, oh, ice cream, you know, what, what have you been thinking about? I've been thinking about ice cream. I just, oh, and that's kind of what I had to do with my faith You you kind of had to keep it in mind. And anytime you had any doubts, you had to chase them away and you had to just claim it and say it and believe it. And, and you had to get more faith. Faith came from hearing the Word of God, just like the Bible says. It also came from um, reading it yourself. It came from praying. It came from living a good life. The more faith you had, the more God could do through you and for you. And that probably was the last thing out of all the moosh moosh. After everything else faded away, that was probably the last one that I realized was crap, because it sounds right. It sounds right that you need faith in God. Well, yes, you do, but as a verb. But in this world that was created around me, faith was a noun, faith was a thing. And so you focused on the amount of faith you had, not how much power God had. He was limited or empowered by the amount of faith I had. So God was taught to me, Like a freaking, I don't know, a a claw machine, an arcade machine that you put a quarter in. And the better you are with the joystick, the more you're going to get out of the arcade. You'll get a stuffed bunny. Is that a bad analogy? I don't think so. Because the more faith I had, the more God could do. And so the emphasis, you see the danger? The emphasis wasn't on the amazing Love, strength, you know, the possibilities, the true promises of God. It was based on me and how much I could do. What My faith was in my faith. My faith was in me and how much faith I could get. It wasn't in simply believing that God could do anything and that he cares about me. You know, the faith of a mustard seed make a mountain, fall in the sea, you know. I believe now that the tiniest bit of faith is all God needs. I believe that he can do things for people that don't even believe he exists, much less people that have no faith in him. I see the Bible is full of examples of just that. Every single miracle that happened that Jesus did was done for an unsaved person. Jesus died for people with no faith in him. His own disciples didn't even get it all until later on. They thought he was dead and gone, even though he told them. Faith is important. I'm not saying it's not. But faith is literally the belief uh, in God and your faith grows by how you know him and how much you know of him. And that comes from reading the Bible and finding out about him. It also comes from life experience and, and being able to trust him because he's taken care of you. He's done things that has shown you that he, he, he does bless. So the faith is in me. Not in God. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous and it's very depressing. And a lot of people are hurt because they believe, they pray that their, their mom's not going to die of cancer. The cancer comes back, it eats her lunch, and it kills her. And then in the worst you know, of their pain and struggle and the funeral, and the only answer they're going to get of why it didn't work is you didn't have enough faith, you didn't have a positive confession, or you had hidden sin. And I love that hidden sin thing. All sin is hidden, especially in the Christian world. We all hide it. And we all share it, whether we know it or not. If it, it, See, it, I realize too, like one time I was in a prayer service for somebody and they, and the lady told us if there's anyone in here and we we're praying for a lady with cancer, she was bad off. It's just like 50 people in there going to pray. And before we prayed, she's like, if there's any, she wasn't even the leader, but she said, if there's anybody in here that has any doubt at all. You need to leave. You need to leave this place. Cause we have got to have a hundred percent faith, a hundred percent belief to see this thing happen. And I struggled not to leave because I did have doubts. I had prayed for people and they had died. And though I believe and I've seen healing happen, not not in the, you know, tent revival style healing. But I've seen God do things. I've had things happen for me. Maybe just one thing. I don't know. A couple things. Um but I knew that right there what she was basically teaching us was that a little bit of doubt is stronger than the prayers of 50 Christians. That's what she was saying, whether she realized it or not. And that's the kind of crap, again, that the faith, Word of Faith movement accidentally taught kids like me. They also talked about the Holy Spirit like he was a dove. And the Bible is very clear when Jesus was baptized That the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. That means the author, uh, the one that wrote the story, was trying to describe what it looked like. And the closest thing he could come to was a bird. And now, in my world, people started talking about the Holy Spirit like he was a bird. And they would even say in the services, um, we can't have anything out of order in here. We can't have anybody do anything in the natural, can't ask any questions, can't, you know, get up and leave to go to the bathroom. I mean, it was just ridiculous because the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And if you move in the wrong place, he'll light off and leave. He'll, you'll, you'll scare him off again. Horrible thing to teach concrete thinking kids. The Holy Spirit is a bird people. It is not a bird, by the way. I'm just saying what they taught me. And he's a flighty bird. So here's the comforter, the great presence of God. The, 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 the beginning of the creation story is that the surface of the, of the waters, he hovered over them. He is the power and the presence of the almighty God. But we were taught he was a tiny little bird that would just run away at the smallest little thing. Let's see. Is there anything else? Oh yeah. Demons. We love demons, man. Hated them, obviously, but it was a popular subject in the eighties. People were suddenly possessed by them or oppressed. Christians argued over whether Christians could be, uh, uh, you know, possessed. And if you haven't seen a scary movie in a while, uh, possession is obviously a demon in control of its host. You know, like Venom, but from the inside. If you're a DC, or yeah, Marvel Comics fan. Um, Oppression would be a demon bugging you from the outside. And let me tell you, there was a lot of demon talk and it scared the absolute crap out of me. I absolutely grew up in fear. Um, To this day, I can't walk around in an empty church. Um, To this day, when my kids are gone and my family's gone and I'm in the house at night alone, it still freaks me out. I even read the books. uh, What is it? This Present Darkness, you know, and all that when I got older. And it it was all about demons and stuff. Scared the crap out of me. They talked about demons and the power that they had over people. The way they could influence you and change you and keep you from getting healing. They talked about binding up the strong man because there's something in the Bible. There's, you know, there's talk about people being possessed in the Bible, and though we don't see a lot of that in the U.S., uh, there are um, substantiated cases of of demon possession in in other countries. I believe some folks can be possessed. I do believe in evil spirits. I, 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 I believe in these things, but I don't believe them into the to the, to the degree that I was taught it. And I, don't, I definitely don't sit around and worry about it. But we did. And so my mother was given a list of demons, possible demons that could be in her children, And at least three different occasions. It didn't last forever, but um, uh, three different times I remember being sat down And, uh, my mom had the list and she would go through and see if any of them were in me. Okay. That would go something like this, James, I want you to look in my eyes. When I say these things, um, if you feel, uh, uh, like something wants to come up out of you, you need to let it, that might be, it might be a yawn. It might be a burp. Um, you know, it might just be a deep breath but you need to let those things out. And, and, and so she would start, and I don't remember all the demons, but they were, they were given pretty common names. Um, you would think a demon's name is something like Hadrian Collider or something like that, but, um, or, or Deelzebub or something, you know, some cool name. But uh, these were called uh, rebellion, um, witchcraft, spirit of darkness in general, spirit of fear, and one by one, she would speak to them. And she would say, um, I, speak to the, I speak to the spirit of fear. Um, if you are there, come out in the name of Jesus. And um, I would feel things, and I would be told that yawning was the thing, and I would feel a yawn coming on, and I would yawn it out. She would move on to the next one. Um, I believed what she said was happening was happening. Um, at the time, but I did really, really hate the process. Um, I do not believe obviously now that, that I had any demons in me at all. Um, because if I had had as many demons as she said, I would have rivaled the best Jesus demon stories in the Bible. I mean, they, they would have been pulling me out of the fire kind of thing, you know, casting myself in the fire deal. But uh, apparently I had dozens and and we got rid of them all and I would feel, you know, free. But I, I do remember a specific part of that where she would have me look in her eyes. That was a very important part of it. I had to stare in her eyes and I would get very uncomfortable staring in her eyes, you know, because she would look angry. She looked very angry when she would say these things. And I would look away and she would say, oh, 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 that's that demon. And look at me, James, look at me. And I wouldn't want to look, not because, uh, you know, I was manifesting some sort of evil spirit. I I didn't want to look because she looked angry and it was an uncomfortable stare, even with your mom. And then I had to go to bed that night and stuff like that. One time, um, apparently on PTL, the Praise the Lord Network, they were doing a series and a special on backward masking. I couldn't have been more than nine. And she made me stay up late, her and my stepdad, and they made me watch this episode on backward masking. Um, I had never, uh, if you don't know what backward masking is, it was the belief in the eighties and probably the late seventies and maybe even the sixties. I don't know that there were messages in, um, in, 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 uh, music when you played it backwards, there would be messages. And, and some of this has been confirmed, you know, um, uh, there are, you know, John is Dead, the Beatles album. I don't know which one it is. But when you when you play it backwards, it says John is Dead, Miss Him, Miss Him. That was on purpose. But then there are some that um, they claim are accidental and demonic. And some of them are pretty obvious. And And maybe somebody did it on purpose. Maybe somebody did it on accident. Um, and maybe, mostly, it's us just hearing it because we want to hear it. And I would wager that you could read the entire Bible from cover to cover, play it backwards, and you could hear all kinds of things. Probably Santa Claus is awesome. Um, you know, dish soap is God. Just random wonderful things that would, uh, that would be just as dark and evil as, as what I watched that night. Well, I still remember some of the lines. I'd, I'd never been exposed to secular music never didn't know a single song never listened to the radio um did you know everything i did was was church and so not only was i not tempted to listen to the quote unquote rock and roll of the day um i didn't even know i didn't know what the song said forwards much less backwards so all i got was a whole bunch of very scary backwards sounding clips and talking about the demons that were in them and I remember that there was a song that they played and it said, die young, stay pretty. It's probably very good for me to get this out because <laughs> I've never said those words out loud. And they used to, they tortured me for weeks afterwards. Die young, stay pretty, die young, stay pretty. And, um, and, and that, those, those messages, those backward messages, um, John's dead, miss him, miss him, uh, learn to smoke marijuana from another one bites the dust, uh, scared me, scared me absolutely to death. And I would lay in my bed and scream when, when they would leave me, um, they'd leave the light on and I would scream because I felt, I felt like demons were going to get me. I felt like that I was going to be, um, tortured and destroyed and hurt and, and I felt like I was going to be killed. I was so scared. And my mother would pray for me. She would roll her eyes because I was annoying. And she would be annoyed because we'd prayed over this. We'd already cast out the spirit of fear. Um, She couldn't admit that they made a mistake. You know, this was completely inappropriate for somebody. Uh, That was teenager stuff, you know? And plus it was bull crap on top of that who cares what a song says backwards? I don't, you know, if you don't agree with what it says forwards, then don't worry about what it says backwards. But they believed that you didn't even have to listen to it backwards to get the evil messages. They believed and they told us that your brain automatically reverses everything that you hear and that your subconscious will pick up the message. And because your conscious brain can't understand it, that your subconscious brain will write it into your permanent memory. Okay. You know, your hard drive as if it was fact and you will operate underneath that and you will be, see again, everything about God is lightweight and flippy floppy and and flighty and everything about the devil and everything about demons and everything about backward masking is hardcore and evil and serious and dark and, and so raised in fear, uh, not of God, but in fear of darkness. My mom uh, turned on my stepdad's tape series. He had the entire Bible on tape. And so I had to listen to a man in a British voice speak the Bible just randomly because the Bible apparently is like a magic book that you can just have it playing and all of a sudden everybody's fine. You know, it just fixes up everything. And so I had to hear a man with a voice like this, tell me about how Jesus died on the cross and how he was beaten and how he bled and died for us. It was very scary. Uh, And then she played Joni. They put in a, I don't even know who Joni is, but I remember her name and uh, had a Joni album uh, on a record player that they played on a loop, you know, gets to the end, goes back to the beginning and just plays the same, you know, what, six songs or whatever, over and over and over. And uh, all that did was make that so- those songs completely and forever associated with fear. Because it didn't help. <laughs> it just became the sound I heard while I was scared. But eventually I would pass out and uh, wake up the next day go about my business only to have to deal with the darkness again at night. Very, 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 very afraid of the dark. Um, afraid of my real dad coming to get me. Afraid of people under my bed, all the normal stuff. But I believed it was all devils and very real. The monsters were real in my life. There was, there was no fear of, you know... Frankenstein and you know stupid things like that. I was afraid of things that were supposedly real. All right, what else? <laughs> um, word of faith, name it, claim it, prosperity. I just in general, I think I've touched on this in other other places, but um this this idea that was taught was that when you had a positive confession, when you had a life full of faith, when you spoke out these promises, um, that your life would be great and everything would be perfect and and you could kind of achieve perfection. Sounds a little Buddhist, doesn't it? Uh, By by purifying yourself and doing all these awesome things. And this is something that I even still kind of believed, and I think most Christians do, Um, I believed it until about last year. When my life fell apart. And then I realized, well, duh, people die of cancer. People get in car accidents and they believe in Jesus. People uh, lose babies, you know, stillbirths and all this kind of stuff. And they love God with all their heart. And I read things like the rain falls on the just, you know, or the sun shines on the just and the unjust and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Meaning good things happen to bad people and good people and bad things happen to good people and bad people. It's just life. But I was taught that if you read your Bible, you pray every day, you'll grow, 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 that, and you will, you know, have the full armor of God and you will be able to, uh, you know, withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. And these things were taught to me as literal things. Uh, you know, the, the breastplate of righteousness was not explained as um, the simple belief that my righteousness is not good enough, that Jesus' righteousness, his rightness has become my rightness. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my unrighteousness, he sees Jesus' righteousness because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross. I don't have to understand it all. I just have to believe that. And that belief by itself, I don't have to do anything else. That is the breastplate of righteousness. It's a metaphor. It's not a freaking physical or even a spiritual thing. It's a metaphor about a spiritual belief. But I wasn't taught that. It was very literal. So you had to get up every morning. You need to put on the full armor of God. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. No, you don't. Just take up your cross. Follow me. I do believe every day you do kind of, I don't believe you renew your salvation, but I do believe you you decide how you're going to act that day. But I believe your salvation is with you, you know? Uh, have your feet shod with the presentation of the gospel of peace. All that means is is be ready to go and do what you need to do to share God's love and the message of the gospel with people. It's not freaking praying a prayer and saying, Oh Lord, just put the feet shoes on me and then I don't know what else to pray. I'll just, I'll just add this. Um, The prayer and Bible reading thing, I'm, I kind of glazed over it earlier. Um, We were very much taught that reading your Bible and praying regularly is important and we're still taught that. And I believe it. I believe that that's because it's a discipline You know, it's important. The thing is, the way they believed it, I don't believe it's important. They believe that the practice of it itself, the legalistic side of it, meaning just the fact that you do it, is important. You don't have to know who you're praying to. You don't even have to care what you're praying about. Um, You just have to have a prayer full of faith, full of positive things. And it seemed to be, it was just a big diatribe of, here's the things I want from you santa jesus and um this is what i want and i will be specific and i will pray the prayer of faith and i'll have a positive confession and everything will be great um as a kid like any other kid in the planet that isn't homeschooled and micromanaged i didn't pray a whole lot i I prayed at bedtime i really did i honestly did um and i told you i prayed about uh hats and stuff and i would pray occasionally because i do believe in prayer I believe talking to God is important. Any relationship is based on communication, my Lord. But of course, I've learned since then that my relationship with God is about ninety-nine point nine nine percent Him. It's it's hardly anything to do with me. Who do I think I am? Who did I think I was? I'm so glad that that's not the case. I'm glad that that. God's not holding out his pinky and I'm having to grab on with both hands and then, you know, anything else in the world that comes along is going to knock me off and I'm going to be screwed and I'm going to just die and go to hell. I mean, I was taught, you know, if, you, if you're in the wrong place, if your faith isn't there and you die, you could go to hell. It's scary. So when I got out of all that, you know, moved out, could make my own decisions about what I wanted to do, um, the thing that kept me in church or kept me in God or whatever you want to say was this, this thing. And you may have heard this before, but if you haven't, you're going to, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a real thing. The first real thing you've heard today. I kind of had a conversation with myself. And I, before I tell you that, I have to back up and say, um, there was a lot of things that weren't explained to me as a child. I told you about the, the, um, full, God, the full armor of God was, was kind of a literal thing. The other one was people talking about God talking to them. Um, people, people would talk about that. God talked to me, and he said this, and God said this, and pastors would preach. They wouldn't even open the Bible. They would talk about the revelation that God had given them that wasn't even in the Bible. Or, or that confirms some concept about faith. And so I didn't have God talking to me. And I was supposed to be a Christian, and, and this bothered me. It made me feel broken. really very much did. Like I wasn't what everybody else was. They had something I didn't. And I didn't, I couldn't do it right. And I would pray. And I would ask him questions. And I would wait for him to speak. And this deep God voice would talk in my brain. And I would be, you know, I want you to be a missionary when you grow up. You know, just something like that. And then to test it, I would see if I could make the voice say whatever I wanted. And I could. The same voice then said, I want you to eat pickled ice cream. Or pickles and ice cream or something. I don't know what pickled was, so... But it was something to do with pickles and hot dogs and ice cream. And I was very, very, very let down. Oh, my goodness. Devastated. How can I know what God's voice is now? Because anything, you know, I kind of just convinced myself that God speaks in this this voice that I hear. But I can also make it speak. So that was God. And me playing around with it. Was actually probably disrespectful and, and dangerous. So, and I'm you know I'm 18. We're back back here again, and I'm making my decision. You know, just I don't even remember where I was, but I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm I'm done with the Holy Spirit. I'm done with all this freaking crap. This high pressure mess. I I believed in Jesus. I believed in God. I believed. in in salvation, half out of fear, half out of what little I had experienced that was legitimate in spite of it all. Had enough vacation Bible school and Sunday school in me to to believe that much. Wasn't going to let go of that, but I said everything else was crap. And a voice, my voice, my brain, my mind, my inner thought started to answer me as it does. I don't know if you do this but I do and I kind of think about things and and I kind of bounce it around and sometimes you know sometimes my br- my brain makes sense it's not very often but this voice that I heard made a lot of sense and and I I believe truly it was one of the first times I ever heard from God and experienced something that I would only be able to describe at, to somebody else as I heard God, you know, kind of like what the other people said, but then I would explain it to you. So you wouldn't think that you were missing out on anything because I realized that my brain is a screwed up place. I'm very creative. I'm very visual. I think of things I don't want to think about a lot. Um, I can't control my thoughts very often. And I have to um, because thoughts come. And I believe they're temptations to think about things more than they are actual thoughts. And I, and I, you know, I bring some in for closer inspection and, and others, I decide I'm going to think about something else. Um, I, I visualize, you know, punching people just like anybody else. So when something comes to my mind that is absolute genius and makes a lot of sense, I know, I know that that's God in my case, because I am a stupid person, (laughs) are not stupid i I'm just really screwed up and uh my i i do not have the wisdom to come up with what you're about to hear so i I'm done done with this it was all crap that's what i'm kind of thinking and and my my brain says yeah, it was crap it was about almost all of it was crap and I'm like yeah, it was. And then the the thing that changed my life was this thought. But everything that is fake is imitating something real. Because I was like, yeah, this is fake. It was all fake. It's fake. It's just stupid. It's crap. Yeah, but everything that is fake is imitating something real. And that rang true. I mean, it it made sense even outside of the spiritual side of things. Uh, You know, when you... When you see a model kit of something, it's imitating a bigger car or a train or or an airplane. Um, Even, even paintings and things like that are, are imitations are they're fake versions of something that is real. And I realized in a moment that all these people, most of them, I don't know about the high end leadership on the TV channel, but at least the people down with me, the Sunday school teachers, the parents, the people, they didn't know they were shucking over a, a bill of goods, a bunch of junk. It wasn't true. They believed it. And um, some of them believed it to their grave. My, my pastor um, stepped on a nail. You think I, you're going to think I'm joking, but I'm not. Uh, but later in life, he stepped on a nail. He prayed over it. He believed. He refused to go to the doctor. And he lost his leg. And later he got cancer, refused to go to the hospital, and he died. Because he carried this belief, this false belief, that your faith, the energy to have a wish, a strong wish, can influence and, and force the hand of God to do what you want him to do. So everything that's fake is imitating something real. And my answer to that was, well, I'm going to wait for that. So I let go, like I said, of of a lot of crap. I let go of everything but God and Jesus and what I knew he did on the cross for me. And then I let the Bible and my experience with God show me and, and test out what was real? There were other experiences. Um, I went went to a church um, that tried to recreate Brownsville, the Brownsville revival that was in Florida, that I believe was probably um, initially legitimate anyway, but um, revival ah. Uh, talk about revival a little bit revival is you might not know what it means but it means it's this church service it's a church service and it's where everybody gets the holy ghost and does a bunch of weird stuff and people somehow in the midst of this supposedly get set free they get knocked over um they get healed people's legs straighten out you know all this stuff I've ne- i never saw anything legitimate by the way saw a bunch of stuff saw people you know, supposedly their legs growing out and all this kind of crap. It's, it just, it was awesome at the time, but ultimately bull crap. Um, but I now know that revival isn't, um, a Holy ghost service in a church, um, that's usually motivated by money and the personality of the pastor or minister or evangelist or whatever. Revivalationist, I guess. Um, revival is true. Revival is when people get saved, you know, um, when a lot of folks come to God, because revival means literally to be revived, um, as, as from death into life. And, uh, I do believe in revival. I believe a revival is coming. I do not believe in the revivals that I've seen. I'm very, you know, obviously, uh, skeptical. And, and, very much against most of what I've seen. Um, But I do believe in the possibility of revival. And that's what I have experienced in my life since. Um, Meaning I have come to find that a lot of the words and phrases and concepts that I learned as a kid, the, that there was a there was a there was a truth there but not at the level that i was taught it like i said earlier about faith um faith is not a noun it's a verb it's it's just simply the understanding that i have of god and the more i the more i know of him the more i know he can do the more i read about how how uh powerful he is the more i can understand that he can be there for me and I could just believe in him. You know, it's not this hard thing. And faith, by the way, isn't, I've come to find out, isn't just this random thing. You can just slop around and say, Hey, I want a, I want a freaking car. I want this car. I'm going to just slop it around and I'm going to claim all these, uh, verses. Well, let me tell you, faith is not, you know, blind. Faith is this. Faith is not believing in what you want. Faith is believing what the Bible says. Faith is not saying, oh God, I hope, I hope, uh, hope he's there for me. I hope I, cause I'm going to go ahead and just move to California with my girlfriend. Um, I hope, uh, I, I, you know, I have strong faith that I hope that it'll be okay. You know, no faith is knowing what the Bible says and then believing God meant what he wrote. That's it boom it's very 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 black and white in that respect um, if God says this this and this um, you can believe it and you have faith in God as a result or you cannot believe it and and you don't have faith in in, in that and this it's very simple you either believe it or you don't and all I've also learned this that faith is not even the end result that faith can turn into something even more. It can turn into trust. There's just a depth. There was a realness behind a lot of the things that I was taught. The Holy Spirit was real, but he did not exist simply to make me shake and fall down and speak in in a strange language that freaked people out outside of the church. He wasn't just there to tickle the back of the hairs on the back of my neck I wasn't there to make people shout hallelujah and dance in the aisles. The Holy Spirit came as a comforter. He came as the very presence and power of God. He is the one that draws us to Christ. He is the one that if we blaspheme which I believe is rejecting Jesus Christ till your dying day. It's the only sin you cannot be forgiven of. Holy Spirit plays a very important part in our lives. But I was taught that he was this flighty entertainment system. <laughs> and I learned about the devil. First of all, I learned that the devil does not know me personally. He is not as powerful as God. He's not all present. He is not a little dude in a red suit that is skulking about trying to get me in trouble. I cannot sell my soul to him and he cannot make me play the blues. He and his demons um, are in existence. I believe that because, you know, the Bible says that he fell and he took a third of the angels with him. And I believe that Satan um, could care less about how many people he has in hell. He just wants to make, people miserable. You know, it's not this big competition. Whoever has the most people at the end wins. Hey, I finally got you Jesus. I showed you. And I don't believe the devil is my worst enemy. I don't believe he's out to get me. I believe I'm out to get me. I believe my own nature, my human self that is being changed and transformed by the hands of God as I allow him, I believe, uh, I believe that the my temptations and myself are my own um, worst enemy. I don't, I don't talk to the devil. I don't resist him. I mean, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I do resist him. The Bible says, "Resist the devil, and he will flee." And uh, I've learned that that just means don't give in. It doesn't mean you have to have this physical or even spiritual tension in your heart that just, I see the devil and I am, I am you know pressing against him. I kind of think of it more like, like when you're in the edge of a street on the curb, somebody bumps you from behind and you just kind of push back just a little bit to keep yourself on the curb. You resist the, the, the sway temptation, so to speak. It's not this big, hairy deal. I learned that Christianity is not that tension. It's not this, you know, my entire spirit man and physical body stressed out, tensed up, like I've got to be super Christian. I have got to please God. oh, Oh, I messed up. I sinned. I screwed up. Oh, I gave in. I messed it all up. Oh, God, I messed everything up. It's not like that, I've learned that actually giving in to God is more like giving in to sin. you know how we give in to sin we we struggle against it, we fight against it, and then we screw up, look at something on t v we shouldn't or for guys looking up something on the internet, we're not supposed to see and you feel like crap afterwards you kind of you just give in, you give in right well, I've learned now that I can give in to God the same way, and it's a lot more satisfying. And, um, then I can release that tension, basically that because again, like I said, I've learned that it's not really based on me. It sounds like it should be. We're in America in America, you take responsibility for the things you do and you impress your boss and you do great things, and you do great work, and you are rewarded accordingly, and so we apply that to our faith in God, and we, he's our boss and He has great plans for us, but we have a strict code of conduct that we've got to activate by or live by. And um, if we if we mess up, we could get fired, go to hell. Um, But if we do it right, there will be promotions. There will be money, cars, success, awesome powers. Be great. You'll be a overcomer. You know, what are you doing? Uh, I, you know, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. A revivalist once said, "What are you doing under the circumstances?" Was his trite and not humorous answer. So, Christianity now I know is not a list of things I can't do, like movies, video games, He-Man, Scooby-Doo, Smurfs. By the way, I forgot about all that. Everything was of the devil. Smurfs, He-Man. Uh, masters of the universe, you know, the whole thing, everything, G.I. Joe transformers. I I'm, I'm sure I'm repeating myself. Uh, everything other than black and white, uh, Disney shows were, were of the devil. Absolutely of the devil. Could not watch them. You know, Ruby, the Rubik's cube, you know, all the old shows, um, everything was of the devil. And that went all the way to high school. Couldn't go to homecoming dance because uh, it was of the devil. Um, I told my mother I was going anyway. She uh, called the cop or threatened to call the cops and, and even called my principal, who called me and told me I was not invited to the homecoming dance and that the police would be summoned if I stepped foot on the premises. Later on, somehow or another, she changed her mind and I was able to go. So, yeah, not real consistent deal. Here's the thing. Somebody asked me, again, to say a little bit about all this, and 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 I'll say this. Um, the problem that I had with the whole God thing after I got all done with it, even, even after I shucked off all the crap, was that I had never seen anything in the Bible have any kind of real effect on anyone. I, I hadn't even heard about the concept of devotions until I was a grown man. Devotions, if you don't know what they are, it's time you spend with God praying and reading your Bible. I didn't know. I didn't know it had a name. Never heard of it. Didn't know. I'd never heard of the concept of a relationship with God. That we could have a relationship. It was all this faith stuff, you know, and 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 him, this angry God that was, you know, kind of wimpy and weak and and waiting for us to give him the the power faith boost that he needed, you know, with this with this dove on his shoulder that was freaking out and pooping all over him. I like Jesus though. He was he was actually um, represented fairly well. It's kind of hard to misrepresent Jesus. There's so much about him in the Bible. I mean, yeah, it wasn't until after my conversation with God uh, about the fake stuff and it imitating something real that I ended up at a church in uh, the inner city called Sheffield family life center. And I started seeing people's lives transformed by the gospel, the message of the gospel, the message that was spoken out to the people. (sighs) I got involved in in bus ministry with teenagers that were in the the inner city. And here I am, this southern Georgia boy, you know, working with these inner city kids. And I was just way over my head. But I learned really, really quick that anything that didn't help me speak into the life of one of those kids on the back three rows of that bus on the way home. Was not the truth. It wasn't God. It was not if it couldn't apply to them. If it couldn't apply to anyone. If there's anything that does not in the gospel that does not apply to every single human being on the earth, it is not the gospel. That is why prosperity is bullcrap. Because you cannot tell me people in Togo, West Africa, that make like a dollar a month. Um, you cannot tell me that when they get saved, their life is going to benefit directly financially prosperity it's not going to happen so anything that doesn't apply to anyone in the world isn't the gospel i mean the gospel was written to to apply to everyone equally you know and uh especially the gospel especially the new testament i mean i'm sorry not the new testament the uh, the good news the story of what christ did for us but on the back rows of those buses, the kids telling me the, some of the worst stories you ever heard about life and being locked in closets while their parents go to the boats to, to gamble, uh, playing basketball, having their cousin shot uh, on a layup, just doing a layup. You um, You learn to cut through all the crap, the shaking, the falling down, meaningless. Demons, devils, Angel worship, meaningless. The bull crap doesn't float there. It gets down to some really bare bones stuff. God loves you. Jesus died on a cross for you. God proved his love for you. No matter what happens in your life, no matter the ups and downs, He proved his love for you because he sent Jesus to die for you. So you didn't have to go through all this crap and then go to hell on top of that. So that when you go through the life that you're going to go through, that when it's over, you could say it was worth it. And that if you will obey God's ways and you will avoid, if you will avoid the problems and the hangups that your parents fell to, If you will not get freaking pregnant before you get married, which is the leading cause of of people having to stay in the ghetto, it's, it's pregnancy. If you will quit and stop, you know, taking and selling drugs, if you can break free of that, if you will live that life, make those choices and you will live your life to honor God you will end up in a better place than where you are now. You you tell people stuff like you get two chances to have a family. The first one you have no choice over. And it sucks that your family's where it's at. But next time is the family you choose. The man that you get with or the woman that you marry and the children that you have. And the way you guys treat each other and the way you treat them. And I'm in a place now. All these years later. Friends with these guys, these kids. On Facebook and they're young adults. They're in their 20s, mid-20s. Some upper. And I see their babies. And their wives or husbands. And so many of them. Not all of them. So many of them listened. And that, my friends, is how I know it's real. And what is real? Because I finally saw what was in the Bible come to life. And so I believe that the word... Holy Bible is a misnomer. It's not holy on the page. It's not even necessarily holy in your head. It's uh it's when it gets into your life and then comes out that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So you can believe what you want. And follow whatever guy you want to follow. Or lady. They're still out there. These people. But as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And I'm still. On that. On that journey. Everything I believe. I don't doubt it. But I constantly hold it up. Constantly hold it up and hold it loosely. Both the good and the bad things that I've experienced. Because the truth is, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God blesses and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he heals, other times he turns. Not away, but he he doesn't. Respond. Taught it to my kids in children's ministry. God always answers prayer. But it's not always, yes, sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. And then later in life, I change that to um, not now or ever. <laughs> a lot of times it's no. A lot of times it is. Wouldn't be a miracle. Happened all the time guess. And I am a pastor that will not claim to have all the answers, because that's something else I've found to be true. Sometimes the strongest answer you can ever give somebody when they ask you is simply to say, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, and quit trying to fill in the gaps that God left for a reason. You know why it's not all there? Because you're supposed to work it out. You're supposed to dig for it. You're supposed to look for it. You're supposed to find it. You're supposed to live it out. You're supposed to sell everything you have and buy that field and dig up that pearl again. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's not about answers. It's about the questions. It's not about your faith. It's about who you have faith in. And it's not about your ticket to heaven. It's about everybody else's. Tell my kids, the only thing that could ever be wrong about heaven is if you were the only one to go. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like Standing there at judgment because we all are going to do it good and the bad Christians and the non-Christians, the good Christians and the bad Christians and the good non-Christians and the bad non-Christians. All I know is it's going to suck if I'm in the heaven line and I have to look over at all my schoolmates and my churchmates and God forbid my own kids that are not in line with me. So I don't understand everything, but I but I've I've left all of that junk behind. I do believe in faith, like I said. I believe um don't believe in prosperity. I believe God blesses. I believe prayers are answered. I believe that it's always it's not always yes. It's not always a happy go lucky time because I've lived it. I don't believe every promise in the Bible applies to me. I don't believe I can claim whatever I freaking want, but I believe I can claim and speak out the promises that do apply and the verses that God wants me to hold him to. I believe I can be that naggy old woman. And as God plays the role of the unjust judge And I can pester him and beg him and bug him as if he didn't even care. But I also believe that those things that we ask for and those things we bug him for aren't whatever we want. It's for the things that are going to help us to be better husbands and wives and parents and employees. Not uh, more impressive golf players and car drivers and all those things. I'll close out with this. (laughs) I've got my family now. The thing I told other kids about, I now have. I didn't have much to say about the first one, but I got everything to say about the second one. My kids have learned more about God from me than they have from the Bible. Not that they don't know the Bible. Got to qualify it and all that for people because they get really upset when you say that life experience could ever teach you anything, even though that's what the Bible's made up of. They also believe in um, as much as they can understand now is that God loves them and um, that we can talk to Him and we mostly I I kind of have led them to just be in praise mode. Um, we don't ask for a lot of things. Um we thank him for the things that we've already been given. And I think that's important. It's an important thing. Gratefulness is something I instill in my kids. My kids aren't scared of demons. They can't, they, they, they can sleep with the lights off. They they can watch or read Harry Potter and not, you know, confuse it for, for the real. Thing that is witchcraft, demon worship, devil worship, whatever people do. They can see it as fiction and fantasy, just like, you know, Lord of the Rings or the Avengers. And they've been on this journey with me this past year, and they knew that daddy was sick. Daddy lost his job or gave up his job. I keep thinking I was fired, <laughs> even though I gave it up. Uh and they've watched me, and they've asked questions, and and I've told them, no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my daddy had a dad that was bipolar and had a mom that struggled with depression, and it's all biological. God didn't do it to me. The devil didn't do it to me. It's just as natural as the freckle on my arm or my 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 hair loss it's hardwired into me has nothing to do with god but I do believe that god's will will be done and i believe that there is something that he still has for me to do and even if he doesn't i'm not going to stop I'm not going to stop believing even if i never get to do anything worth a crap again. He is owed my eternal alliance. If he never blesses me, if he never talks to me, if he never does anything because of John 3.16, his love for me was proven 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus Christ, his son, Son of God, into the earth, ultimately to die on the cross for my sins and be rose again, defeating death so that I could accept what he did, sins that he died for, sins he didn't commit. So um, that's where I'm at right now. Even that is held loosely (laughs) because every time you say, you know, God, you have to say, but I don't. And every time you say God is like such and such, you have to say, but he's not. Because just like that bird, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. God is not what I understand him to be or have experienced him to be. There's no guarantee he will do what he's done before. But he showed his love for me already. He owes me nothing more. And I owe him everything. Because Christianity ultimately, and this is the biggest thing I guess I've learned, isn't about me. It's about him. Good night.